This morning's reading is from the letter written to the Hebrews. It's chapter 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift, drift away from it. For if the message declared by the angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received the just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his own will. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here today and we extend a very special welcome to any guests we have in our assembly this morning. We hope that we'll have the opportunity to meet you personally if we haven't been able to do that already this morning. There were Christians who were very weak and struggling. They were, um, some of them, undecided as to whether they would remain faithful and loyal to Jesus or not. Some of that weakness and struggle was due to a lack of, uh, of diligence. The writer of Hebrews will mention that when we get into chapter 5, when he really rebukes them for not having matured as they should have. But there were probably other reasons as well for their weakness. But one thing was certain. The writer would say to them in chapter 10, 26, you have need of endurance. But they needed it. And so the writer of this letter to the Hebrews impresses them at the very outset of the letter with what they were to lose if they gave up on Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, we began our study of this letter, the book of Hebrews. And we looked at chapter 1. And what the writer did in chapter 1 was to introduce his readers uh, by not because they didn't know him, but perhaps we should say reintroduce his readers to Jesus. And to remind them, if they gave up on Jesus, they were giving up everything from chapter 1 was that Jesus is one who has a more authoritative voice than the prophets. He outspeaks the prophets, verses 1 and following. He outranks the angels, and He outlives the universe. And so if they were to give up Jesus, they were basically giving up everything. And as we open up what we know as chapter 2, the text we're studying today, the first four verses, are really the natural consequence of the points that he made in chapter 1. We know that for one reason, because of how chapter 2 begins, with the word, therefore. Therefore plays a key term when you're reading any document, for that matter, but especially the Bible, because it reminds us that whatever he's about to say is a consequence of what he's just said. Or perhaps it's an application point. In our study uh, with the young people uh, last week on the book of James, we talked a little bit at the outset about Bible study itself. 
and that there are basically three things that we want to accomplish in our study of the Word of God. Three things that, uh, that if we're studying properly, we will answer. Three major questions. They are, what? So what? And now what? Remember that? So what? And now what? Well, in chapter 1, he got the what and the so what. We're looking at Jesus, who He is, and why He is. He is everything. Really, when you get to chapter 2, it's almost as if the writer is now saying, here's the now what. Here's how what is told is supposed to affect your life. Here's how you're supposed to respond to that. And so he begins by the chapter by addressing this very practical matter. They were in a neglect and they needed to get their focus back to the things that they had been previously taught about Jesus. And so let's look at the urgency first. In verse number 1 of chapter 2, he said, For we must, not we may, might, can, could, or should, we must pay the greater amount of attention to the things that we have heard. Some translations, we must the more earnest heed. Pay the closest amount of attention to. Show extreme care to. Eagerly consider. And the things that he says we need to eagerly consider are the things that we have heard. Specifically, in context, he had the things that he told them in chapter 1. The things about Jesus. The things that they had already heard and embraced before about who He is. He's the image of God. Uh, express image of God's person. He's the heir of all things. It's, it's through whom God created the world. It's all those things that he says in chapter 1. The writer says, now you need to pay close the things that God has spoken through him. God did speak in these last days. You know, there are a lot of things that we watch closely. Don't we watch our bank accounts closely? Don't we watch uh, our, our health closely? Don't we want... Well, maybe I shouldn't go there. I'll have to look in the mirror on that one before I use that example. But we do watch a lot of things closely. Don't we, don't we watch our favorite sports teams closely? Watch the weather closely? We, we watch a lot of things closely. You know, the destiny of our souls is a matter that deserves diligence and attention. If there is one thing in this life that we to look at with extreme care and zeal and earnest. It's where we're going to spend eternity. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. This deserves your attention. The things that you've heard, the things about Jesus, those are all urgent matters. Because what will it profit a man, if he gained the whole world and yet lose his own soul. The question Jesus asked in Mark 8, verse 36. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So here were the recipient letters, struggling, weak, sometimes in part because of their own neglect. The writer is trying to wake them up 
to spiritual reality and get them to think about their spiritual condition. We must pay attention to these things. There's a danger. There's a danger. Also in verse 1, he says we do this lest we lift away. One Greek lexicon defines this word or, or comments on this word or this phrase uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, lest we drift away. This writer says the word was used to describe a river that flows by a place or flows outside or flows aside from its normal channel in the sense of flooding or escaping its, its due course. word used in other contexts to describe perhaps a ring that might uh, slip off of your finger. And I believe that that's what the King James translators had in mind for the definition of that word when they translated it the way they translated it in, in that version. Lest at any time we let them slip, if you're reading from the King James. Well, used in both of those senses, and so translators have to decide which sense uh, seems to be the best. Sometimes it was a word, phrase used to describe uh, a piece of food that might go down the wrong way. So it had some different applications. The idea of drifting is probably the better uh, sense here. I think most translations bear that out. And the writer is emphasizing the fact that we could find ourselves, if we're not careful, in a state of having drift which tells us, number one, in the first place, it's possible to drift. It's possible to drift away. Some, some folks teach you can't do that. You can't drift away from God in a way that puts your soul in danger. not possible, why the exhortation? Warning of drifting away if it's not possible to drift away. But the more important thing, I believe for our purposes is to emphasize the fact that this, this idea of drifting away implies a, a subtlety and a, a deceptiveness. In other words, that we could find that we, that we have drifted, but in the process of drifting, we might not be aware of it until we've, we've reached kind of a point of no return, perhaps. Think about a couple of examples um, of... One is, uh, I grew up uh, fishing a lot. Uh, I, you know, I didn't do any saltwater fishing, but uh, did a lot of freshwater, ass catfish. One of the ways that we would uh, that we would catch catfish was we'd take the boat out at night, <clears throat> and we'd go out to uh, you know a place that that we felt like was was uh, uh, you know a good prospect. And uh, we would fish off the bottom. So we, you know, we'd, we'd load up our, our hooks, you know, sufficient weight, and we'd cast out and just let it sink to the bottom. And then we'd, we'd lock everything in place, and we would drift. We wouldn't put the anchor out in the boat, okay, or out, you know, to, to anchor the boat. We just let the boat go wherever it would. And, and, and the bait would, as, as the boat would drift, the bait would, you know, work its way across the bottom. And it's a lot of catfish that way. One of the things that, that you'd notice is 
the middle of the, of the lake and you're drifting, it doesn't really seem like you're drifting. You, it feels like you're, you're, you're still. But it's not until you look at some fixed spot on the bank and you take notice of that and you realize, you know, that that particular dock or pier is right there in front of you. And then you get back and you're, you know, you're doing other things and not paying attention. And then a few minutes later you look up and that dock is not right there anymore. It's way over here. You've drifted, but you couldn't really tell you were drifting at the time. It wasn't until you had drifted a sufficient distance that all of a sudden you woke up and say, wow, we're actually moving. Another example is um, when you're driving. You ever been driving and get sleepy? And maybe you drift in the car? Obviously a dangerous thing that we certainly don't want to do, but, but how many times have so we been in a situation like that and, and maybe you drift to the right and, and you hit the, the things that are there in the road designed to wake you up, right? Well, you didn't, it, it didn't register with you that you were drifting until you had reached a certain point. Spiritually speaking, that's what the writer here is talking about. That's why he says you need to be proactive. You need to focus your attention on the things that you have heard and pay great attention to those things, lest... Happily, one translation says, you drift from them. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize that you are a long way away from God. And you wonder, how did I get here? The writer's answer here is, how you get there is neglect. Verse 3, he says, For how shall we escape if we neglect so great a All it takes is unconcern and inattention to move you away from spiritual safety. And that's why the writer here is trying to impress upon them the urgency. Why it's so important. Because inattention and neglect can cause you to drift far enough away that you find yourself completely separated from God. And there are consequences to that. Back to verse 3 of chapter 2. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? called the great salvation? Well, probably a lot of reasons. If you think about all that we have in Christ, everything that is offered to us, Jesus, the one God has spoken, it is a great salvation. Forgiveness of sins, answer to prayer, able to live like clear conscience, being able to live each day with the confident expectation of in view of death one day and not have that be a frightening thought? There are a lot of reasons why it's called great salvation and why it deserves our attention. 
But the writer here describes this salvation in uh, some specific ways. He says, first of all, in verse 4, it was first spoken by the Lord. The things associated with the great salvation, first spoken by the Lord, confirmed by uh, eyewitnesses. Peter would say later, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Jesus did many signs of His disciples. John 20, verse 30. So the things about this salvation were first spoken by the Lord. They were confirmed by those who heard Him. And God continued confirming the, the reality of those things through gifts of the Spirit that they had in the first century. Jesus would even say, the very works that I do bear witness. John 5.36 So when the writer says, to verse 2, when he says to them, you need to pay great attention to the things which you've heard. He wasn't encouraging them to place all of their trust, their complete trust, in guesswork. In something that might be true, but then again it might not be. He was saying to them, these things that I'm on you to devote yourself to, things that you don't have to enter doubts about them, about whether they're valid, about whether they're true, I'm encouraging you to embrace these things that you've heard because all of the evidence points to a single conclusion, that it's true and it's right. And because of that, it deserves your attention. And then he adds, if the transgressions under the law of Moses were dealt with, with severely, why would we think that we could ignore God's new covenant and not face punishment too. That's verse 2. Since the word, word spoken through angels proves and transgression and disobedience reward, shall we if we neglect this great so there are consequences to drifting. Just like there are consequences if while we're driving we don't pay attention and, and we drift, there could be some deadly consequences to that. The writer here says if you are not to your own spiritual condition, to slip, you allow them to allow yourself to drift away from them, there are consequences to that. So the exhortation is, don't drift. Do the things, make the choices, the decisions today that will enable you to keep from drifting. Life is choices. Every day we make. And some of those choices have a direct bearing on our spiritual condition. The writer of Hebrews is saying this is, this is so important because of the consequences of not paying attention. So when you get up every day, make conscious decisions that will enable you to stay true to Jesus and that will keep you from drifting away from Him through simple neglect.
So the question that all of us need to answer this morning is, are we attentive to our souls? Are we giving the attention to our spiritual condition today that we give to other things that we consider to be very important? What is more important than where you spend eternity? If you're not giving your soul, your your relationship with God, it needs. Now is the time to wake up and begin to give it the attention that it deserves. Jesus sacrificed too much for us to just give Him the back of our hand. Commit yourself to Him. One in the assembly today who has reached the conclusion through your study of the Word of God that it's time for you to make that commitment. If we may help you to do that today, we're going to invite you to come moment when we stand and sing a song for your encouragement. There may be Christians in this assembly today who have been neglectful and they've allowed other things to get in the way of their relationship with Jesus. If that describes you today, make the changes you need to make. Reorient your thinking. Make better choices. And if we may pray with you and for you with regard to those things, would you let us know what those needs are? We invite you to come if it is your need as we stand and sing together.